Welcome back to Never Watch Alone, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I am your host, Tim Lightfight, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Sean Wheeler. What's up, man? Oh, you know, I'm having a great day. I'm oh, pretty dude. excited uh, to get into this. This is yeah. a, a lesser-known, I feel, uh, mob movie that doesn't get enough love, so I'm always happy to uh, spread the word of it. Yeah, man. Like, I hadn't even heard of this movie because because when you mentioned the cast, like, oh yeah, Tim Roth, Lawrence Fishburne, you know, all these, like, oh shit. Well, so I'm I'm fucking in, and because I hadn't heard of this movie literally until you suggested it for the show, so I thought, well, fuck, you know, I'll I'll watch something new. I'll watch something more interesting for this. Let's go and do it. And if you guys want to just like skip ahead on us talking about this movie. As always, there is a sync button below where you can skip ahead and go right into the commentary. But that said, 1997 Hoodlum, directed by Bill Duke. Bill fucking Duke, dude. The man from Predator and Commando and all those weird, obscure roles in the last couple <laughs> of years. Like Mandy and X-Men 3. Oh, well, we probably want to forget about X-Men 3. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, dude, I was really surprised that I'm like, because I know he directed a few things of television, but I, I actually did not know that he did, you know, movies, too. Like I, And, you know, after watching this, I figured out, oh, he watched, did a whole bunch of others, too. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man, uh, so... I know you. So this was suggested by you to uh, for this show, and I only heard about it recently, so I just watched it, and uh, yeah, I kind of I, I I dug it. I mean, I was kind of ex like about a quarter of the way through, I was expecting it was kind of the Untouchables thing, where yeah, it's grossly inaccurate, but the entertainment value is so high you don't care. And when I was over, I'm like, well, it's not as entertaining as the Untouchables, but I still had a good time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but and, and, you know, you brought that up. And, and while I would agree it's not as entertaining as the Untouchables, I think largely that's because, I mean, I think, you know, writing-wise, it's probably on par. It just doesn't have that amazing score the Untouchables has. That, and I don't think that uh, uh, some of the uh, performances are really as, com like, comically overblown as, or, as, to make them memorable uh, I, as I, they I, could I, be. Yeah, I, I can see that. Now, to be fair, um, oh, gosh, I, I, I'm going to have to address the elephant in the room, which is yeah. everybody always thought, since the start, uh, since the Untouchables introduced him, it's like Andy Garcia is going to have a great career. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he is not a bad actor, but he is very much a character actor. Like, yeah. and and you know what? I like him here. He's as a character actor, he does a great job here in this movie. But I also think this is you know still in that period where they're like, can we find the right vehicle for him? And it's like, mm, I don't know that there is one. I, and also, I think we can probably agree that even though it's not as great or anything but i think he was kind of like the mvp of godfather part three um i i can't speak intelligently to that oh <laughs> really because uh, everyone told me nothing but uh negative things about part three so even though i own it i literally have it sitting in a box to my to my <laughs> left i've never I... bothered to watch it <laughs> 
I, I have watched uh, I, I've watched it once. Now and... I am interested in seeing this redone version with Coppola getting his hands on it and being able to actually yeah do yeah do the cut he wanted. That I'm now interested in. Yes, um, but okay. Regardless, um, yes, <laughs> I picked this movie because one, um, mob is so much more than Italian mobsters. You know, we started with Irish. You know, we we're, we have tried we touched to show... on the. Uh... The, the, the Cuban, the Cubano, right. Latino kind we're, of thing going know, on. A big part of what we wanted to show is like, like there's great mob movies out there and not all of them are, you know, Italian, Italian mob. Now, don't or Russian realize, even. Right. The Italian mob, you know, is prolific and, you know, you're going to see a lot of that. You know, this movie's highly fictionalized, but it does have some historical basis going on. Um, but yeah, like, you can't say that the... The mob in Harlem didn't push just as hard to do what they, you know, to take their slice. Oh yeah, dude. And and I, that's kind of what I like. You know, the the mob stories really are American dream stories gone dark. Yeah, for and that's I, that's and, totally what they are, man. And, and I appreciate those stories, and I love it. And I mean, Fishburne here is just great. I mean, from the first time I saw this movie, I was just like, why do more people not know about this movie? And, don't love this movie. It's so good. You know, I think the part of the reason why is because I was uh, actually reading Roger Ebert's review because, as you know, I'm a big fan of Roger Ebert and reading his stuff. Um, but uh, I remember re I actually looked up his review, and uh, it turns out this movie was marketed as, like, an action gangster movie. Uh, and ah. it, it really isn't. It's, like, no. it's more of a character study thriller. Uh, you know, there are some, like, really great action sequences in there, and there's some really awesome, like, scenes of bloodshed, gun violence, and all that stuff. All You know, all the fun stuff. Right. But, uh, but, it, it, but and, they marketed and, it up too wrong, see, and that's right. why. And that's just it. Like, this movie came out when I was, like, gosh, uh, fi fi roughly 15. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't end Did up you see it in theaters? No. I, okay. didn't end up, I didn't end up seeing it until a couple years later, so... I had okay. no knowledge of the marketing or anything. I just saw this. I already love mob movies. Like right. I've, been a, I've been a big fan of mob movies since I was fairly young. So it's like, I see this, I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, old Lawrence Fishburne, Mor Mr. Morpheus himself. Uh, you know, that's actually one of the things I say. Anytime Lawrence Fishburne shows up, I have this weird urge and you can hear it on my john wick 2 commentary anytime he comes on or the first time he comes on stream i'm always like mofius mofius <laughs> mofius see and, and, and again the, the, i think this probably you know establishes you know the the age differential between us that was probably your introduction to to lawrence fishburne oh it totally was and that was 99 yeah. this is two see, years after yeah time. i i had seen him in plenty of established you know um role cinema cinema roles before seeing him in that now i loved him i mean morpheus was a redefining moment in his career no oh, doubt dude, totally but that's like, what that, that's what launched him into superstardom yeah but it's like i'd seen him in you know so many other movies prior to this um uh, and, and so for me it was just like well okay yeah like that obviously has a high high association with me but it's like Come on, Boys in the Hood? Okay, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, like, by this point, I'd seen Boys in the Hood. I loved Boys in the Hood. It's like, 
Let's also yeah. not forget where he got his start by lying about his age to be in Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. That was kind of badass. Right. Uh, but, like, I mean, I'd seen that, but I didn't have an awareness that it was really him at that point. But, like, other movies Oh, yeah, he I looks saw... completely unrecognizable yeah, back then. but, like, other movies I saw before The Matrix. I did end up seeing Hoodlum after The Matrix, but, like, I saw Event Horizon before I saw The Matrix. Oh, my God, yeah. being a literary nut, uh, I saw Othello. Oh, my God. I saw he The Matrix. Played Othello? I he didn't played know he played Othello. And, and Kenneth Branagh's film adaptation which what? is wonderful with Brenna as Iago what not not uh wait is it Iago is that I, right man you're gonna you might have to check that up man you might uh, have to IMDB now, now that I'm going to because now it's bothering me I think that's the name <laughs> look it's been a long time since I've delved back into my Shakespeare shit all right like I love Shakespeare yeah, but I haven't revisited it in quite some time so um Oh man, what when when? Yes, it, yes, it, it was it was Iago, and like okay. So basically, mo almost all of Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare adaptations, with the exception of the Henry movies, I love. So it's like if oh it's yeah, Kenneth man. Branagh and it's Shakespeare. It's like I'm there. Kenneth so, Branagh has uh he has earned the right to be called Mister Shakespeare in Hollywood. Yeah, and I mean, so uh, a couple of my favorites. I mean. Okay, Hamlet is wonderful, but that that's gonna take you all day, and it's oh, gonna yeah, man. it's gonna tire that's, you out. Mm. But like, if I'm just looking, there's for a something... reason why I haven't sat down and watched that one yet, man. Because yeah. it's because oh, like, there are yeah. times where I I look at like movies like Gettysburg and Hamlet, and I'm looking, I'm like, look, I know these are gonna be masterpieces, and I know they're gonna be an amazing time. I just don't have time to sit down yeah. for four but, hours. But like, if I need a quick Shakespeare fix, I am going to go to Much Ado About Nothing or Othello. Yeah. Like, those two are just yeah. so for me. I had this love of Lawrence Fishburne, already established. I see The Matrix. I love that. A year or two later, I finally see Hoodlum, and I'm like, how did I not know about this movie? So when did you actually see Hoodlum for the first time? Uh, I know I saw it um, sometime when I was in college. I know it was post-high school, so probably okay. sometime in, I mean, it came out in, uh, in 97. I probably didn't see it until maybe 2002, so about five years later. Okay, so did you see it in like a class, or was it on your own, or did you see it with like just a on of my friends? own? I just came across it one day. Um, right on. And right I was on. like, oh, okay, cool, because you know, early days of the internet, you know, stuff's still out there. I'm trying to be like, hey, I'm looking for a mob movie. Oh, I haven't heard yeah. of this one. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I feel it, man. That's how that's how you get it done. It's it's it, and so you and you know, speaking of what, you wanted to get started on this bad boy because yeah, you got a really it. fun. Let's got a fun ride. Okay, so, um, and once again, uh, I gotta find out where the hell if, if this thing is streaming. I don't think I don't know if it is anywhere. Um, uh, wait, re for real? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What? Oh my lord! You? W oh wait, no, you can't. That's that is so strange. What's up? Uh, you can find Hoodlum on YouTube for free. But it is a 90-minute cut, and we are watching a 2-hour and 10 cut. Wow, that's bizarre. Is Okay, wait. No, hang on a second, because I, I thought I did my maybe, research for this maybe movie. Maybe it's and... not the same hoodlum? No, no, no. It totally is. I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, that is weird. Okay. Well, um. anyway, uh, you can still find it on... Uh, you can still find it on Amazon Prime with a premium subscription. 
Uh, you can find it on a whole bunch of other pl places. And if you got a Blu-ray copy, just get pop it in because uh, uh, get ready because we are going to get this bad boy started in three, two, one, click right away. MGM logo and probably my most missed uh, production company of all time. Not MGM, mind you, but these guys. United Artists. Yep. Man, I dream of a day as a as a few as a aspiring filmmaker, I dream of a day for a company like United Artists again. Cuz <laughs> United Artists, for those of you who don't know, it was all about like, look, you will give you pitch us the movie, we'll give you a budget, and you get down on your knees and you pray not to go over budget and we will leave you alone to make the movie. That never happens anymore. Yeah. I do like this opening bit. Like, the CG hasn't aged well, but I actually kind of think that's kind of dope. Yeah. And especially this little opening here with the, you know, a world impoverished by the Great Depression. Uh-huh. We got a legal lottery no uh, racket known as Numbers. Um, I was actually watching this because my, uh, my fiance, she's all about, like, true crime and, you know, uh, film noir and 1920s yeah. culture. And I was watching this opening for like this this scroll for the first time. I'm like, "Hey, hon, you actually want to watch this with me?" And she's like, "Okay, this is really interesting, but I think I'll catch it for you next time." Which I'm like, "Okay, right on." And then Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson, uh, which, uh, by the way, did you know how uh, he got that nickname? Uh, I don't. He actually got it because because you know he was you know in and out of. Uh, uh trouble in in his youth and whatnot mm -hmm. and they attributed that um that nickname because he had a, a a distinctive bump on the back of his head ah probably from some injury i i, I never really could figure out where it was um might have been just like a birth defect maybe it was from an injury i don't know but he has a distinctive bump in the back of his head so that's why they call him bumpy and you know what's also more interesting i'm gonna give a little shout out so you guys can't see it listening at home, but I recently got myself a haircut. Um, and uh, one of the places that I like going to is this place around the corner from where I live. It's called, it, it is a black-owned barbershop called Uncle Bumpy's. Yeah. And I'm curious, because now next time I go in for another haircut, I want to ask him, hey, man, did you, like, name your shop after this guy? Because that's kind of <laughs> hardcore, man. Like that's right on. Like maybe just like you know, Bumpies is like a, uh, a you know a semi-average nickname out there. I don't know. Like, but it'd be kind of it'd be kind of cool <laughs> if it was. <laughs> and right here we got our little bit of a Shawshank moment, <clears throat> where he's like, "Oh, he just getting on out." And I also read that uh, late. Now it wasn't in like the 30s, but this is like so, much later in his life. Go on. What, what's uh, he actually was arrested again, like in the 60s, and uh, in 65 he and a whole bunch of other black prisoners were protesting some uh, through some of the civil rights movements, um, and he actually got charged for not leaving the police station because he was about to be discharged. Yeah, and he, he was refused to leave. Yep. So he refused to leave on the basis, uh, on the, a protest of civil rights basis. And he was actually acquitted by a judge later, yeah. which was kind of awesome. So that's kind of hardcore. 
So right away, yeah. I, uh, I should note this movie, while set in New York, was actually mostly filmed in Chicago because Chicago still has the look of, in some areas, of how Harlem looked during this a- age of. Well, uh, man, Chicago was kind of, is roughly unchanged from the. Uh, um, you know, the 1930s looks because a lot of those historical buildings are protected by historical protection laws and therefore they maintain those looks. So yeah, man, I could see why. Cause New York, I love, I love the character performance of this, of this undertaker. Oh yeah, dude. Like the, uh, the, um, the guy who makes all the coffins, man, he is one happy customer in this movie. I tell you what, And I also really love the production design, man. Just there's something about these mafias. Oh hell no! And you know Harlem was actually a really nice place to live in, at like right around in the early in the uh, early twenties and late nineteen tens. Not in the post depression era, man, though. Yeah, Dutch Schultz moving in on on the uh, the Harlem Rackets. Trying to. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to, although I really love how both in this movie and historically, Lucky Luciano, the man who needs no introduction in the mafia in the mafia underworld. Uh I love how he's just kind of kicking back and seeing like I'm going to see who wins on this shit. Oh yeah, well look, I mean He'd already like so he had already established the modern mob at this point. He yeah, established he established the council, he organized the modern mob. He's pretty much the OG godfather. Yeah. So he doesn't Oh, by the way, while Luciano did have a dog named Bambi. Bam- yeah, it made, wasn't it until... was later in his life and named after the movie which was long had not come out yet. Yeah, that was. I think uh, he didn't get that dog until like after World War Two. Yeah. And then, of course, we got the Almighty. Uh, um, fucking oh, what God? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Andy Garcia. Yeah. You know, I'm just really glad now that, because uh, I know that for literally half a century, starting with the Great Depression, going like well into the 80s, honestly, uh, Harlem was just an awful, awful part of New York City to to not just to live in, but to work or just even walk through. Although now I hear in like like from the 90s and onward it's actually a really nice place to 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 run to uh, walk around in new york at least that's what i've been told i've only been uh midtown in new york city from where i've been you ever been to new york uh, sean uh i have um i've but i have not been up to uh harlem i've been mm. down through the bowery and the alphabets and such but i have not been all the way up to harlem yeah, the most northern I ever got was Strawberry Fields in Central Park. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I've been out that way. Um, my cousin lived 
maybe 10, 12 blocks south of Harlem. And we really didn't end up going. So like, it was a very short visit. I was only there for like three days. So gotcha. Didn't get up gotcha. North. Gotcha. So I hear that uh, especially places like, you know, the historic Apollo Theater is a great place to visit up there. Well, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Man, okay, Tim Roth, I, I, I don't hate his performance in the slightest. I think it's wonderful. It's a wonderfully slimy performance that needs to be the you know the main antagonist of this kind of movie i just don't wish it was a lot more memorable because look like it, I, I will make a lot of comparisons to this movie and the untouchables um just because you know like i said they are grossly inaccurate um mob movies that are still a lot of fun um but the thing I, is i like, love but i'm sorry i'm gonna throw up chi mcbride yeah. in this role. okay he is yeah. so great T. McBride is actually probably my favorite performance in this movie. <laughs> I actually really love this interaction between these two. She is just a thirsty woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I actually love this the, the dialogue in the these movies and how it utilizes the old <laughs> 30s and 40s lingo like this shit's the killer diller you know oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that smug ass look on his face man you pump it you knocking on the door like a nut motherfucking cop like Damn, man, you almost pissed, made me piss myself. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, damn. You see that bruise on his face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> so I actually read up on uh, her character, uh, Pigfoot Mary, mm -hmm. uh, also known as Lillian Harris Dean. She was a real woman, but for the record, <laughs> like this is, uh, I, I have been talking about how this movie is grossly inaccurate. Her role in this movie is probably one of the most ridiculously off his history's <laughs> radar. Um, although she did take her, she did give herself the name Pigfoot Mary. Cause when I actually was watching this and I heard, you know, Oh, Pigfoot, this Bigfoot, I'm like, what dickhead bully gave her that? Cause that is an <laughs> awful, awful name to give someone. But it turns out she, uh, got her name literally doing uh, marketing traditional foods like pig's feet hog yeah. maws and uh chitlins and other foods and she like literally was carting it around in a disused baby basket and turned it into a thriving business uh when she immigrated in like the late 1800s because that's the other thing uh she died in 1929 uh which is actually years before this but she was almost 60 
So yeah, it's 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 a yeah, I'll you should y'all should check it out, man. There's like some really really interesting things to be told uh, told about Pigfoot Mary, and you know what? I'm gonna uh, put a link in the description for y'all guys to read up more about her because she's actually kind of a fascinating little uh, African American uh, character and minor celebrity back then. So worth look reading into. Although, uh, out of all the things in this movie that aren't inaccurate, it, it really is kind of Tim Roth as, uh, um, as Dutch. Why do you say that? Because he was kind of a ruthless son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Um, and while, and, you know, we'll get there when we get to it. Like, he would do shit like this. Oh, yeah. He was Dutch, known Dutch, for it. Dutch was nuts, and that's honestly why he got himself killed. Yeah, for real. And his death in this movie, while it is, like, poetically exaggerated, it it's surprisingly not as far as you would think from what it was Well, I the mean, truth. they got the location right, but, you know, they didn't have the Murder, Inc. hit squad. Yeah, yeah. Damn, look at the size of the also, cigar. Also, this dude. is super inaccurate because that prosecutor was untouchable. Oh, yeah, dude. He, he really was, like... Uh, uh, he, uh, that was uh, um, uh, Dewey. Thomas Dewey. And he, Thomas was not, Dewey. he was not in bed with mobsters. He took them all down. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, he, as a matter of he was actually uh, the guy who successfully prosecuted Lucky Luciano. Yeah, and um, Murder, Inc. Like, which was, so Murder, Inc., for those who uh, don't know, was uh, the hit squad Luciano and Meyer Lansky used to, I wanna... keep, it, to keep in charge of... Uh, the the mob and, and force everything for years and for over a decade so i really want to know what it was to possess them to make to turn this historically memorable uh because look for those of you who don't know uh thomas dewey was a guy who was known for his honesty and for uh his uh um opportunism in politics to the point where he actually ran against FDR twice for the position of U.S. president. Yeah. So, uh, he, well, and, he was... and, and, uh, against Truman. Oh yeah. He did go against Truman. There, Cause there's that very famous, uh, newspaper that inaccurately had the Dewey defeats Truman. That's right. Oh, okay. So it was Dewey. Okay. Yeah. I, for, I forgot the actual, um, uh name of the uh the headline uh but yeah that was that was uh that was him like he was squeaky clean enough to you know because this was back in the day when a president when uh when you had to have like a fairly good reputation to be president <laughs> not like uh recent times so what i love about this this is a man who just got out of jail after spending 10 years and everyone still knows him oh yeah man that's like, that's, I'm, that, that's, uh, that's that's what what a great way to establish the character though. It's just like oh that's crap, some he's street back, cred. Like, yeah, that's 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 uh, as uh, you know someone like uh, you know old someone like uh, uh, you know one of these famous rappers like Snoop Dogg would say that's gangster. <laughs> oh, and of course we gotta have a fucking whispers, right? Always a goddamn whispers in in these movies. Hell, in like in in the Irishman. 
with Martin Scorsese. They make fun of that. He's like, oh, yeah, well, i got to meet up with Whispers. No, the other Whispers. There's always, like, three different Whispers. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I, I think this is probably, out of all the Whispers I've seen in mob movies, he actually be just became my favorite one because it is so hardcore seeing this guy who's clearly got his right. throat slit and survived. Like, that is hardcore. Like, this guy was clearly supposed to get his throat slit and bleed out to die. Only he's like, "Nah, man, I'm gonna be standing up, and I'm going, and I'm gonna be continuing the fight." And now he <laughs> speaks into that rasp. And of course, probably my favorite, the one character where I'm like, "Why hasn't this woman gotten her own movie?" Right, uh, Saint Clair, the Madam Queen herself, Stephanie Saint Clair. And, you know, so I was, after watching this movie, I wanted to read up more about all these characters and whatnot. And reading up on her history, I'm amazed that no one's made a movie out of her life story. Yeah. Like, dude, because this woman, you know, she uh, uh, she immigrated fr uh, uh, from the West Indies, uh, is of French and African descent, be, uh, started as a prostitute. And then learn, and then took over her. Uh, well, she was going to be. Tr she was uh, um, tried to get in, or she, her boyfriend at the time tried to push her into prostitution. But after he died, she basically took over his racket and became the queen of Harlem, essentially. Yeah. Like, it. It's kind of amazing. Like how how cool would a movie be nowadays to have a 1920s into the 30s. A female-led mobster movie, and it's and it's with an all-black cast. Oh, I'd like, be about it. I'd be all that about would it. be an amazing movie. Holy shit! Who would you cast in that role? Actually, I'm curious. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah. you got nothing. Like, I mean, <laughs> like who? I mean, it sounds perfect, but someone's got to write it. Well, I'm just like, who would you cast in that in Saint Clair's role, though? Who'd you oh cast gosh! Um, oof. Yeah, I know, right? It's hard. It's really hard because um, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that line. Um, oh, I know, right? I, I love um, seriously the chemistry let, between these two are great. Let me find her name. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know who I'm thinking of. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> Oh, Miss Francine, a big old love interest of the movie. So honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think that maybe uh, I may mispronounce this. Uh, uh, Danaya uh, Gorira, who played um. Okoya in uh, Black Panther. Oh, I think oh. she would. I think she would kill it. Actually, yeah. Also, yeah. I have complete faith. Oh, and also from Black Panther, uh, I have nothing but complete faith in Nupita Nyong'o's acting. Oh talent. yeah. So either yeah. of them, I think, could knock it out Lupita, of the park. Lupita is is one hell of an actress, man. Yeah. Uh, well, either because either way, honestly, even if she doesn't land, the, the either one of them land. 
the supporting role, they would still be welcome, or, 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 or I would welcome Believe them me, on yeah. fully as supporting roles, you know? <laughs> you know, I kind of wish that they used that moment right there oh. as like an opportunity to be like, to actually explain the bump on the back of his head. Yeah. Eh, it's just a minor little thing. There's a lot of minor little things in this movie. I'm like, I kind of wish they did this and made it a little bit better. Although some of the choices, like you'll, I'll mention them as we go along, but some of the uh, cinematography and the directing choices, I'm like, wow, you really, like, you really want to get artsy with this. Like, good for you, man. <laughs> Although this is one of my, uh, I thought this was really great when you know old Bumpy here is uh, fixing up the uh, the electricity, trying to yep. get the uh, <laughs> the apartment back up online. I do love the lighting though on uh, Illinois, but and then all the damn cockroaches yep. like stepping on cornflakes. <laughs> And I do love how they just shake that shit off, you know, because that's that's how it was back in the day, wasn't it? Hey, but you know what? I will say this: at least it's not rats, because <laughs> New in New York, rats are a real big thing. But oh yeah, this, that. Mm. Now I'm fairly certain that's a thirty-eight. Yeah. I don't. I don't no guns like a gun hound but i'm also not ignorant of them either I, now this edit choice again this is where i'm like "Ooh, you're getting artsy right on <laughs> where they just kind of repeat the shot i'm like oh okay like i'm not sure how that's motivated or anything but i like it and we got more negotiations between mr do it uh, with uh dutch <laughs> oh you're you're a white man in harlem you are definitely the devil here yeah pretty much well you, you, actually i do like her rebuttal he's like i'm not the devil but you do the devil's work yeah. i'm like that's that's good shit man but again i really wish tim roth kind of in a weird way was allowed to step it up a little bit more and it was just a little bit better written because Upon, upon, like you know, retros, like just reflecting, maybe it'll pick up on more time. But Tim Ross, care like his way he plays Dutch, is not nearly as memorable as Robert De Niro playing Al Capone. Because at yeah, least Al Capone right. had those moments, like you know, he's like, "I want you to get this fuck where he breathes. I want you to find this Nancy boy nest. I want him dead." I want his family dead. I want his house burned to the ground. I want to go to the middle of the night. I want to piss on the ashes. <laughs> that shit is kind of, that kind of shit is memorable. And I really wish that, you know, Tim Roth got an opportunity to be more memorable in that sense. Although he is having fun. And I look like that shit eating grin. I like that a lot. I just, I don't know. There's just something about it that I really wish that they punched up a little bit. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? What's up? Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been messing with the guy with the shotgun. 
Yeah, and he is, and as you can see here, he's got a real itchy trigger finger. Yep. Shit, son. <laughs> and you know that's another thing i kind of wish that they went a little bit more into in the detailing because you remember in movies like uh casino or um or even like into some degree of Wolf of Wall Street, just just about any Scorsese movie. Mm -hmm. There's a there's uh, usually a montage. I love this this music number actually, um, but they usually have like a montage or a scene or two that explains the work how, the inner workings of their business. Yeah, and I really really wish that they'd done it because throughout this entire movie, I mean I kind of knew their whole the whole numbers racket, but I didn't understand like the intricacies or how it worked or uh, any insight to that sort of thing. Like I didn't understand any of the details. Gotcha. I mean, I under I understood the character motivations and everything like that's great, but I really wish that, you know, like, you know, every once in a while you could have Lawrence Fishburne narrate just how the, uh, the money worked and whatnot. I gotcha. Yeah. That's the, that might, that also might've helped me out a little bit because then it contextualizes not just uh, how they feel, but why they're doing what they're doing specifically, you know? For sure. That's, that's, I guess that's just me. Look at that ugly ass straw hat. I'm glad, the, I'm glad those things went out of, went out of style. <laughs> oh, now this, now this shit right here where he's like, yes, you do want to dance. And she looks at uh, Lorraine and she's like, oh, yeah, right. I totally want to dance. <laughs> oh, no, I love man. this performance here. Where she, oh, Vanessa I kinda, Williams. Solid. Yeah, but, Solid. Well, I really wish that they kind of played it this whole scene in the, uh, the long shot. Because you can see their performance switching back and forth to be just to feel yeah, how awkward it is between if, the if two. If you were going to play it in the long shot, you would have had to I forget the technique where you have the double focus going and they just may not have had the equipment for it. Well, I mean they had it they had it set up in the uh, the the very first bit there and I was like, "Oh, right on." But whatever. Again, just another little nitpick yeah. thing that I kind of wish that they had cuz there's a lot of t moments where it's not anything to do with historical accuracy or anything. I'm just like, oh, they could have done this a little bit a different oh, way. Oh, well, look, I mean, like I said, like, this is a this is a good movie. It it's not gonna hold up to like the great Scorsese mob films. No, no, but, that's that's a whole nother league. Right, but it's like there's so many really bad mob movies that a good mob movie, you're like, oh, this needs more attention. Like the greats yeah. get the attention. Everyone ignores the bad, but like there's plenty like this. Where it's like this is really good. It's just not at that higher level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a really great bit here. I love this moment. 
<laughs> yeah, where he do, he starts doing a little bit of his poetry. I wonder if uh, um, anyone found uh, the real Bumpy Johnson's uh, poetry. Was he actually a poet, though, or was it just made for the movie? I'm not entirely sure. I know he was exceptionally intelligent, and I know he actually did like chess a lot. Um, but uh, as far as the poetry, I'm not entirely sure. I guess someone. I guess anyone who's like a, <laughs> a Bumpy Johnson a historical <laughs> expert in the comments, they can just like put it in below, or they can just be like, or just Google it and claim right. to be one in the comments, like everyone does these days. <laughs> so. Um, but one of the things, you know, I do like about you know, Johnson in the history sense, it's like, while he was a feared man in Harlem, he was a man who loved his people and would go out of his way to take care of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he would give food to the poor and stuff like that, which, you know, to be fair, you would hope any wealthy, successful person would be helping out those less fortunate. But Yeah, man, you know, he, it's he was nice, kind of a... It's nice when you see it. He was kind of Black Robin Hood back in the day, wasn't he? Just a bit, yeah. And that's what, you know, I was actually getting that sense throughout most of the movie, especially, you know, later on in the movie when he uh, steals, like, a whole bunch of truck and he's like, courtesy of Dutch, and just starts flinging money, like, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson at the end of Batman. Uh, <laughs> and uh, So I was like, oh, so was he, like, an actual, was the actual guy, like, an act, like a real-life Black Robin Hood? Like the mobster, gangster, uh, mo uh, like Robin Hood of Harlem. Like, w man, that would have been. That sounds cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it's cool enough that there's actually an ongoing series about it right now. Oh, is there? What is it? Um, it's called The Godfather of Harlem, and I can't remember the the station it's on. It's something I don't have. It might be Epics or something like that. But yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I think uh, Forrest Whitaker's playing them. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, or, or, yeah, let me double check that. But, yeah, I know it's it's ongoing right now, and I've heard good things. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, it's Forrest Whitaker. Oh. And it's on, <laughs> right on. I like I, I like that little bit. Give me five. Give me ten. Yeah. Give me twenty. Give me thirty. I, I give you thirty, but my hands are too dirty. I like that, man. Oh, dude, I like yeah, that. that's it. I fucking like, like that. He, she is one of the highlights of this movie. He, his performance is just so spot on. Right. Oh shit! Right. It's okay. So as soon as they stop the car, this is where the movie I think kind of flounders just a little bit. But when they stopped in the middle of that thing, and I saw that truck, I'm like, oh shit's gonna go down. I know it. Something's wrong. Like they, there's. If they if this was gonna if they've got guns and they're doing an escort thing and they're doing all these cutaway shots, something bad's gonna happen. Like I just know it. So I kind of wish this was staged just like I don't know edited better slightly, because especially right here I'm like, oh I knew it I fucking knew it, and the cops in on it too. And this is our first big shootout of the movie. We are yep. what. We're th about uh, half an hour through here, man, and now we're getting some big action scenes. Look at this shit. That's some Bonnie and Clyde crap going right there. Oh, check this guy out. Oh, fuck. 
this guy right here where he fumbles around with the shotgun but still manages to take a guy out right oh damn Jesus all that bloodshed now they got to double check to make sure the queen is dead too but what they didn't count on was the fiercest motherfucking lieutenant in Harlem. Get him, Whispers. <laughs> Shit. Oh shit. You about yeah, you about to get some. Oh damn. <laughs> I don't know what was in the back of that truck, but it was cool. Right? <laughs> now this shit right here. Mercy boom doesn't even hesitate. Doesn't even look at him. <laughs> All right, look. That is so not the way you use a Tommy gun, but fuck no. if it looks cool. Right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> His shirt was white at the beginning of this movie, man. Yeah. At the beginning of his day, man. That. Damn. And after all that bloodshed, all that pay. Now, I really like how it, you know, goes to the wide where you can see the aftermath of the destruction. And I like that there's an NRA flag. There was just a shootout. There's an NRA flag hanging there. <laughs> that is a good, that's a funny, that's a, that's actually kind of a funny joke. Right. I <laughs> but I liked the payoff where it's just, they were going to the opera. That massacre happened. That really horrible, traumatic massacre. And we have this almost painterly, shot of these two sitting listening to the uh the music on the uh the the um on the record i get because again this they're still they're not moving yep and it feels it, this almost feels like you know someone trying to mimic a, a kubrick shot from like something like a barry linden or something mm -hmm. you know it's very painterly it is and and again i like that it doesn't really work for me from a uh, uh from a standpoint from uh, from like a uh, uh just like a rhythm standpoint but i i appreciate the that they're trying to do something artsy with it dougie <laughs> I love how like <laughs> just how turned on by this accountant is. <laughs> Although to be fair, if, I mean, look, if I'm Lucy Lucky, if I'm uh, Lucky Luciano with like all these women available, of course <laughs> I'd give them a nude swimming pool. Right? <laughs> I mean, shit. 
Got to cheat and treat the ladies right. <laughs> I love how this guy, how uncomfortable this dude is. And he's like, "You enjoying the show?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> you wanna go swimming <laughs> oh shit I'm sure these ladies will teach you right <laughs> Oh, no, this is what I thought was really cool. Illinois here, right? This is a moment where... Um, <clears throat> pardon. <clears throat> where uh, Chi McBride uh, really get, just plays how cool he can be. Like, he's got this guy on the floor bound at, at gunpoint, and he is just so cool about this guy coming in. <laughs> I mean, they give him all the fun one-liners. <laughs> they do, man. Like, he, Jim McBride, he gets, he, as Illinois Gordon, man, he gets all the best bits in this movie. And he gets to roll with it. Because I, I, I've seen him in a few other roles in um, in movies. Like, I'd seen him in, uh, you know, things like iRobot or The Terminal. Um, <laughs> and actually, I think, out of all the things that I've seen him in, this is probably my favorite thing that I've seen him in. And I'm like, man, wow, he should. I wish he had some more here. But yeah, this scene right here where he just like pulls up all these big ass things of money <laughs> and got a gift. <laughs> yeah. Make it rain. Make it rain, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, we getting the good bread tonight. <laughs> <laughs> shit when you don't i love this like he's such an ass it's like it's decorative you idiot you don't eat it oh is that what it is is really he's is eating, he eating an, yeah he's eating one of the apples off the table that are supposed to be there for decoration uh, uh, so is that like is he eat straight up eating a wax apple no it's a real apple but it's supposed okay. to be for decoration he's just too stupid to have the awareness of it oh okay and you know, also gotta love how he's really, you know, just throwing it as loudly as he fucking can. See, now I sound like an ASMR artist. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so something else that I uh, that actually was like really almost bugging me throughout this entire movie was uh, mm -hmm. the way Andy's Garcia his his one eye. And I was wondering, like, okay, was that an a, a thing of the actors? Because I know, you know, like guys like Forrest Whitaker, their eye really is kind of screwed up from like an incident back in the day. Mm -hmm. But no, that's actually makeup, and I, it, and it was shots like in the close-ups in this scene particularly where I'm like, okay, that makeup's starting to peel. <laughs> but it turns out no that was uh, to make uh, him look a little bit more like lucky himself because he actually got injured in the eye uh several years ago um there's I, uh, I forget where it was um uh shit yeah it was a a knife injury in 1929 
Uh, the, and that's the actual, the real Lucky Luciano, not not uh, right. uh, this guy here. But uh, <laughs> so, but I don't know. Is that is that was that like kind of distracting for you, like throughout most of the movie? Because I even looked up like real photographs of Lucky, and uh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, it it really didn't bother me all that much. But I mean, I can understand why it would be distracting. I think it's just a. a, a and, and again, I don't want to be too like overly critical or anything because it's not really that big of a deal. But I think it's just like bad makeup. I think <laughs> like they just went a little too far or whatnot. I don't know. I'm just going to see where the hell this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's this this whole thing is just like like I mean, I know Schultz was crazy. I mean, in real life, obviously, like the guy was out of his mind. Oh yeah, he was nuts. But like when you're just having that much contempt for the heads of like the the New York mob families. Like that's what yeah. that meeting was. Like yeah. These guys run the game. At this time, Murder, Inc. is a thing, and you're a part of, like, you know this, and you're just like, I don't give a shit. You know, a lot of people would be like, uh, <laughs> I actually love that little bit. He's like, check out the tits on that <laughs> that statue. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, it's, I, honestly, it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, I, I really want to know what uh, Scorsese would have done if he had, if he was taking the reins instead of uh, Bill Duke. Cause... Yeah, and you know, Duke is. I mean, look, I like this movie, but we both know Duke is not super established. No, 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 no. Like he's I mean, mostly like I said, done TV. I didn't he hasn't know. done a ton of movies, so it's like this is a great movie, but like he is not a man who has like notable directing credits to his name. Yeah, man. I mean, as a matter of fact, like I said, I was shocked when. Uh, his name was on the director's chair because I'm like, what? Get out! Like, right? I knew it, I knew he'd acted in a couple of stuff, but I and I knew he directed some TV, but I didn't know he did uh, uh, movies or anything. Uh, although, uh, did actually did did you know that he did another crime movie in Harlem that actually uh, uh, was nominated for the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival? I did not. It's called A Rage in Harlem. Uh, and it's with Forrest Whitaker and Danny Glover, uh, and apparently, yeah, and apparently it's almost like a comedy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's it's. I, I, I need to check out. Yeah, I know. I need to check it out because, because um, a lot of the uh, production design oh, and a lot of the guys. sentimentality. Oh yeah, these motherfucking guys. Um, but a lot of the sentimentality of like the era and the look of this era carry over from a rage in harlem into this movie i also love this like <laughs> i think that's uh, uh, that's a really wonderful way to actually spit in his face but not spit in his face <laughs> but yeah dude these these fucking guys okay so um you'll probably recognize the one guy on the uh, the right there uh he's it, you'll probably you probably that's um uh, uh, what was it? Um, Mike Starr. 
Uh, he he was in Goodfellas. He was in Ed Wood. He was also the uh, the guy in the middle with Dumb and Dumber. You know, yep. he's like, "What's the most annoying sound in the world?" Eh! Like, like he's you don't the kill dude people in the you don't know. That's a rule. <laughs> okay, now that fucking po- this fucking police captain is such a. Oh uh, yeah. It's such a stupid caricature, but it's actually kind of fun, especially... It, oh, it the works way... so well. It, it, you're right. It's a completely stupid caricature, but it plays so perfectly here. I also really love his introduction, where he's just like, All right, hands up! Hey, <laughs> gotcha. Like, actually, I'm like, okay, that's actually kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, Mike Starr, uh, yeah, he, he's been typecasting a whole bunch of different type... Co- He's been typecast in a whole bunch of different tough guy roles. Um, and I, so I'm like, oh, right. Even I remember La- him even from on Mil- Law and, I, I've seen him on Law and Order being a tough guy. So Yeah, he was in Miller's Crossing and just about, yeah, he, so he's been in a whole bunch of shit. But you pointed out that the the other dude actually is his brother. Yep. Those, guys, those guys are actual brothers, which I'm like, get the fuck out. Yep. Right on. No. That's awesome. And apparently he's been in a couple of he's actually done uh, some tough guy roles as well. He's just not quite yeah, as he, pro- he, prolific. He doesn't as Mike. have like as a, an iconic look, but All right, so it might Man, dude, this party is fucking great. Oh yeah. Now, I want to know, because it's never confirmed in this movie, is that Fats Domino? I don't know. It very well could be, you what? know? Are, are you kidding me, by the way? What? Domino. Fats Dom- Domino, yeah. what? Domino? Like, <laughs> your pronunciation, I'm sorry. I was just like... I heard, I, I heard that's how I heard it once, <laughs> and it just kind of stuck there, but... <laughs> I really want, but still, do you, is that Fats? Uh, is that I don't Fats know Domino? if that's supposed to be him or not. Uh, look up the IMDb page, see what they label them. I am. I don't. Actually, you know what? No, it probably isn't because Fats wasn't born until 1928. Yeah. So uh, nope. He'd be ten. <laughs> he'd be ten by now. Not even. Schultz was dead in 35. That's yeah. That's very true. But you know what? Just for shits and giggles, I'm going to see if that that was he was listed as uh, Fats just because this movie's already stupidly inaccurate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, remember, as I pointed out before, um, Pigfoot Mary didn't uh, was dead by this point. Right. In real life. And she was already and she was in her 60s. So I don't know, man. I'm going to have to check it out. don't you just love the fact that even though his woman walked out and he's blocked by this guy he still gives him like a little bit uh, a little bit of uh like a head heads up on things yeah well you know it's like he's not trying he's got a he's he's got a he's got to still do what's right for his people sorry i was trying to find the right words it's like you can't if you mess up your if you mess up how you 
come off how you're playing yourself, you're not going to help yourself. Right. Uh, from what it's from what it says on the uh, the the cast list, uh, it doesn't list them as fat. So well, there you go. All right, then it settles that. <laughs> but man, dude, look at the, I really digging the uh, the set dressing for this movie. Not just the cars, but also things like the barrels and the uh, the the vintage. <laughs> such a weird uh, combination of words, but vintage trash. <laughs> but it's true like oh, you know man. you gotta have like the old like the old old cigarette uh oh, yeah. and whatnot and have them just like crumple them up throw them on the ground and whatnot mm-hmm. old flyers from the day Yeah, so you mentioned like right it's times like right here where the score gets to play up. Yeah, and, and it's once just, again, not as memorable as the Untouchables. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's just it's not iconic. No, no, and I, it may be you know what I wonder how much this movie cost to make. What what what, you, what was it? Like, okay, so it was thirty million. Oh shit, this is actually a box office bomb. It only made twenty three million. Yeah. Ooh, this, that sucks. This right here, though. Okay. Now, yeah, you're right. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. These guys just asking around where, what's the best food to get around this year. They're just arguing. Yeah, for real. But politely. <laughs> Very, and they're also, you can, I just love, like, the look on Mike's face, where he's just clearly pissed off at all of this. But my favorite little bit where they actually agree I know we'll oh, get yeah, to it. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's, yeah. that's a lot of fun. <laughs> Damn. That is a hell of a mural. What is that actually a window or is that like a painting? I think it's a painting. Either way, that is impressive. <laughs> oh shit not good oh this guy <laughs> I wish I'd been to all these places now. I kind of want to check them out right. for myself. <laughs> <laughs> now this right here. <laughs> they both say Nathan's. I wish you. You know what? Back in the 1930s, like it, especially oh, yeah. in New, especially if you're from New York, it's always going to be the best Frankfurter, Nathan's. Yep. Have you ever had Nathan's? I'm actually curious because I never actually I, had an. A I Nathan's haven't, hot dog. but I'm not much. I'm not a hot dog person. Okay, see, I I, I kind of am, uh, not just because I'm from Chicago, but I also got way into uh, Toledo chili dogs as well. Hmm. Especially things like Tony Paco's. We're actually going to yeah. be having Tony Paco's. Okay, it's night night we're just, recording, man. We're going to be having some Tony Paco's tonight. It's going to be good shit. 
Yeah, I'm just just not my not my jam. But that's fair, man. I do want to try me out one of them uh, uh, Nathan's hot dogs, though. <laughs> this shit, man. Oh, snap. Hold on. This moment brought to you by Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> know what possessed them to be like oh hold on don't do it yet oh fuck bam so okay real quick are they fighting in their bathroom because yes. now I, I okay because now i really wish that they had missed they, they wanted it should have gone with their opportunity to do a little bit of an homage to psycho like not overtly like with the shower and everything but just have a little bit of like an homage to psycho eh. that's just me I, at least that's probably what the way i i know that's the route that martin scorsese would have gone if he was directing this <laughs> Just in the nick of time. Shoot him again. Yeah. He's a big boy. You got to put a couple of rounds in him. He, he is a big boy. Shit. Still, I really want to know what actually tipped them off that they were coming. Because there's a lot of instances in this movie where Lawrence Fishburne has like almost superhuman levels of instinct and foresight yeah and, and and look i get that he like he was way smarter but you should still like show us why yeah you know that's that that because i i that was because as cool as that sequence was i just never understood what, what what tipped him off really like was there like a missing scene there or yeah that, that's a good point <laughs> seriously though these two are probably probably have the best chemistry in the entire movie <laughs> oh yes please <laughs> step on me <laughs> See, well, I would have... Oh, man. Uh, 
fucking so, cops, man. Right, but like he is just such like this delightful caricature that just plays perfectly in this movie. I know. It, it even waves goodbye, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh. And then of course it's this bit right here, because once again, just showing off that display of power. You know, I'm actually curious. I just, just like this. I, I, for some reason, this just hit me. I guess I was distracted how mm -hmm. fucking cool it was. But those pickaxe pick brothers, were they like a legit thing back in the day? Were, were those no two idea. like based on anyone? No idea. I want to know because that feel like that feels like that. That's just wild enough that it could have been a thing back in those days. It was up. <laughs> Gotta go through me. Damn. That's the other thing that kind of just like pushes a weird button for me is like the weird jump cuts. Yeah. scenes and whatnot because i get it you want to just like move the movie along already but i don't know <laughs> also like that's another thing about the writing of this movie this this movie clearly wants to have the dynamic of you know having uh you know bumpy johnson to be the borderline pacifist calculator you know with the um with the philosophy like why fight when you can negotiate yeah and then you have the uh you know wild card dutch as yeah. just you know shoot first ask questions later this movie clearly wants to have that kind of a showdown but it, now it could just be me but do you ever get the sense that you have those kind of polar opposite characters going up against one another because i don't know i feel like there's not enough the movie doesn't highlight enough of that contrast for me yeah i can see where you're coming from That's actually kind of a brilliant idea, actually. Right? Now, were the green slips an actual, like, thing in their racket to help distinguish them from the competition? Honestly, I don't know, but it's a, it is a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. And I also want to know if the whole, because, you know, later on, like, the the other note. Because, again, I really wish that they elaborated a little bit more on, you know, the concept of the numbers racket. Because I had to look up a lot of this stuff uh, uh, yeah, in and post. See, and see, that could just be it. Like, I was already familiar with the idea of a numbers racket going into this movie. So it wasn't a surprise to me. Okay, because I wasn't as familiar as, with it as I th as uh, as most people 
And I kind of wish that the movie helped explain it a little bit more, just so the audience could keep track with what their operations were. Yeah. Um, and but I, 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 I do agree want with you. You know, a montage would have, you know, greatly improved very this. Well, yeah. yeah. Or hell, even just ha- and look, I know it's totally just like knocking off Scorsese, but the dude knows what he's doing. So maybe having a voiceover throughout this whole thing would have helped too. Well, you know, you know well that, but I mean, to the point. Out since The Godfather, there's very few movies I can think of that are gangster movies that don't have a montage at some point. Yeah, that it is, is a very... very effective cinematic tool, and it's just like, huh, why is that not utilized? Well, honestly, there are t- points even in The Godfather where there's a couple of montages. Like, you know, after where uh, Michael Corleone right, kills right, the other cop afterwards, right, but, there's that whole... Yeah, but I'm, I meant more like a, like an establishing montage. Like, that's... In, um, like, in, um, in Scarface, which you just did. Yeah, yeah, like we have the whole operation. Oh, and, and here we, we go! going on. Okay, here we yeah. go. Hey, speaking of a montage, here's one right now. Which, you know, I actually kind of appreciate because he's like, I don't want any bloodshed. I want this to be peaceful. And then just nonstop bloodshed and right. violence. And I also like how there's even like CG money and coins falling around too. One of my big problems, though, is that they've reused parts a from the scene earlier in the oh, movie. They it's use like, a- come on. They recycle a lot, which, again, I imagine is, you know, them trying to save money and whatnot, but, eh. But either way, they, I, I give them credit for trying. Yeah. Um, but, I, again, I wish that this movie had one more that really delved you into the operations. Yeah. Because we only get a sense of what they're they're doing. We get how they're feeling, but not necessarily know what they're doing. Specifically, yeah. anyway. Man, look at that shot right there. Well, I don't even know what the hell that shot is, but it's kind of cool. Oh, <laughs> hell no! Tyrone! No! And again, right here, it's Bill Duke being a little artsy with the 235 yeah. and the close-up of the eye. See, hey, here's our psycho... Uh, right. <laughs> cycle <laughs> homage, if you will. <clears throat> oh, man, this guy again. He is so creepy. I love it, actually. He is. Oh, shit. As he pockets, like, a shitload of right. money. Honestly, like, he reminds me of, uh, you know, like, that Old West cliche of the uh, the guy who makes the coffins. Oh, yeah. And he, he's... A hundred percent. Now, here I almost feel like they... Now, well, probably <laughs> not, but I... I for a second, just for a, uh, a, a couple of seconds, I had like that a brief flashback to Jaws, where you know Mrs. Kittner slaps uh, yeah. Chief Brody. Yeah. Oh yeah.
And I really wish she went all out and actually spit in his face. Like, just full-blown, like, hawked a loogie on him. Right. Because this movie's already, like, bonkers enough to be like, <laughs> you can you can get away with that kind of shit. Right? Like... Like, look, you're already it's kind all, of Yeah, it's it already off. so, so like, n- you know, fictionalized. Just have fun with it. Yeah, for real. Like, it, look, if if you want to, like, you know, just base it loosely off of events, but you're doing it in service for a better entertainment factor, then do it, by all means. Seriously, like, uh, another, a really great example. That, uh, obviously, this isn't one that I enjoy personally but like the movie troy i know tons of people who freaking love it even though the history and like the adaptation to homer and whatnot is like it's stupidly off off mark but i know a lot of people who are like i enjoy it it's entertaining and i'm like right on good for you like i want my things to be a little bit for something like that i'd want it to be a little bit closer especially with the cast and budget they were given um, but, you know, again, like, uh, 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 I hate to keep bringing the Untouchables back in, but it is kind of the perfect example yeah. to be like, look, this movie is grossly inaccurate, but holy fuck is it a lot of fun. <laughs> right. So that's that should always be your model when you're going that route. All right, now this this is the other moment where I'm like, where the hell did he, like, where did he get his instinct? Well, no, this? because... It's obvious because he oh, always the... said he doesn't like it on there. This is a great, legit, great scene, though. It is. Uh-huh. Oh, Jimmy, you in trouble. I also love how, like, relatively cool. This is, I think, like Lawrence Fishburne's moment to shine. Because he is just so cool and even-headed in this scene, even though everyone else is fucking nervous. Right. I almost wish everyone else wasn't so nervous because that way the tension would stay there because you're not sure. Because if everyone stayed and just watched... And they didn't close the door and they had to, you know, right. put the flap on the door down and everyone was just watching. I would have been a lot more engaged because I wouldn't be sure if he's like just trying to teach this kid a lesson, you know, in like the nicest, polite way possible. Or if he's actually sizing him up to do something fucking horrible because he knows what he's doing to him. Right. Like, I, I wish that they kept that kind of tension with it. Because as soon as everyone left and they close, you know, like, they close the door and they, you know, flip the sign and whatnot. That's when I'm like, okay. And there it is. And I'm like, okay, so how's it going to play out at the end of the day? Like, I know it's going to be bad for this guy, but I want to know how this is going to play out. I just wish the, there was more tension in it. No, I didn't say it. We got a traitor in our midst. <laughs> okay, the, the way that he smears the ice cream, man. Yeah. That's that's so awesome. I love that. 
Because there's hints of greatness in this scene. I just wish it was executed slightly better. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's it's well written. It just needed to be better little, composed. Yeah, it's almost there. I'm really digging it, man. And I especially just love the image of this poor dude. His face smeared with ice cream, and he's got a gun to right. his face. And I'm not going to lie. As soon as this happened, I was not entirely sure if... They were just going to kill this motherfucker if he was actually going to recruit him. Right. Although this is pretty fucking hardcore. Right. Eat, motherfucker. You you either eat ice cream or you eat a bullet. Though I'm not going to lie, if I were in his position, I probably would have been like, Joe, just give me the bullet at this point. Oh, damn. Whew. Whoa, man. No, but seriously, though, I kind of... I, I, I almost would have been like, you know what, at that point, just sh fucking shoot me. <laughs> I kind of wish we actually got to see Jimmy the uh, the Ice Creams Cooper actually, like, die slowly right? die of poisoning. Yeah. I kind of wish that we had that payoff. Because now we got nothing. Although we do get it with this guy here. <laughs> oh, boy. And again, I like the because Lawrence Fishburne really gets to play with this whole thing where um, this this really good material where I legitimately yeah. don't know if he's actually going to spare someone or if he's just going to fucking kill him. And I love the rattle with the cup, like the oh, show. Oh yeah, right. I'm just, nervous. I mean, that's that's a one. That's a lo lovely little sound design there. Lawrence Fishburne actually does convince me. I'm not sure whether or not he's going to spare him or recruit him or just kill him. And I thought for just a second that he wasn't, but then this shot lingers on him. Yeah. And it doesn't cut away. And as soon and as soon as that, yeah, like right there, I'm like, oh no, he's gone. He gone. Oh, with the razor. Yep. I find it also super ironic that that's that whispers is the one who slits his throat. Right, I love it. <laughs> oh, the Cotton Club. You know, it's still a movie I I haven't sat down and watched. I need to. Is it any good? I hear it's I'm, like I have I have not watched it either, but I should as well. Yeah, because I hear it's like. It's not, you know, Francis Ford Coppola's best, but it's still pretty good. At least that's what I've been told. Although, interestingly well, enough, yep. did you know <laughs> I did. Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> is in that one, too, and he pretty much plays the same character. He plays, yep. a lumpy, 
He plays Bumpy Jackson in that one, which uh -huh. is like a little minor character, which I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool. I love this song. But hey, check it out, everyone. It's King Kong. Going to be on HBO Max pretty soon, at least as of this recording. <laughs> Oh, he's fucking crazy. Do up, do up, do up, do up, do up, do up, do up. Yeah. Uh and he's and you, everyone can clearly see his gun too. Right. Yeah. What's up? I like that. Some <laughs> <laughs> new day, motherfucker. But like oh, right there, the shot yeah. where he drops her. That could have yeah. been done so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Man. A lot of missed opportunities here, and. I don't want to give credit away from Bill Duke. He still does a really good job. I just, man, because look, I when you give it in someone in the hands of Scorsese, you know you can get something like truly masterful. But that's that's because he is the master, man. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> actually okay upon this second viewing i'm liking tim roth's role even more <laughs> ultimatum bitches Oh, this fucking shit here, man. Damn. <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> I love his reaction. He's like, hey, hey that's hardcore. Why did you <laughs> let that motherfucker bring a gun in there in the first place? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, it's because he's white. Uh, it's because he's Dutch Schultz. He's an insane gangster. You yeah. tell him no, he's liable to shoot you. Good point. He had a reputation for being crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, not going to lie, I wish the uh, the scene continued just for a couple more beats after they left. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there's uh, got to be that really awkward moment where it's just the wide shot and he's standing up on that stage. And, you know, they just kind of looks at him and he's like, the fuck you want? Let's get back to the show. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so...
blowing up a brewery. Yup. That's hardcore. <laughs> damn. It, all of them are like, damn, he gangster. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Illinois is like, what? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's like, uh, sh <laughs> like, uh, drink, what? drink now, drink. <laughs> yep, there it is. Oh, hell. Another really great scene with these two, especially with, uh, uh, Illinois Gordon here, because... This is the point where he, he, he uh, it's almost as if, like, you know, uh, Bumpy Johnson's character, he's got, like, all these um, people that he can talk to, but Illinois is, like, the one he trusts with more than anyone. Yeah. And I mean, it, like this scene is done very well, but I also, you know, I kind of have to agree. Like, I enjoy it, but a pullout, show them both together instead of just in the going same back frame. Yeah. You're right. You're totally right. That shut. That should have. That scene should have been in, with the two of them in the same. Yeah. Frame. <laughs> it's like you can cut to close-ups, but there should have been them in the same frame at some point. Yeah, especially when they go to shake each other's hand at the very end. Yeah. Now, the only thing I'm wondering is how the hell did none of these guys recognize these two? Because they're not from that operation. They're from the other side. They don't go up there. You would have think they would have been briefed on it, though. I mean, maybe, but... I, I guess it just it feels like a little bit too risky to have basically your lead captain of operations go in himself. Well, yeah, but again, highly fictionalized and it makes it more fun. That is very true, and this is also one of the more fun sequences in the movie. Although I really w I, I'm, I'm actually curious what uh, possessed them to say, Okay, seven minutes is our timer. Let's go. Why, like, why couldn't they have, you know, bumped it up to like, you know, ten, fifteen minutes? Because you don't is... want them to have enough time to find it and defuse it. Mm. Probably. Dude, you really gotta calm down. Right. Because look at his face, man. <laughs> also, yo, can we talk about uh, Lawrence Fishburne's wardrobe here? Like, goddamn, he is looking snazzy. You know what's another really great acting choice for him? 
Mm. He chooses to for this scene alone. He uses he chooses just a little bit of a lift, just to make him a little less intimidating. <laughs> right. I I actually kind of like that. See what I mean? <laughs> and that's where he's looking. <laughs> he's got to look around his shoulder and be like, "Dude, shut the fuck up." Yeah, right here. He's just like, "Dude, shut your mouth." <laughs> shit move your ass run motherfucker <laughs> run motherfucker run fool run <laughs> get the fuck out of there move drive fool drive <laughs> go <laughs> Boom! Damn, that was cool. Ah, oh, shit, that's cool. Now, I really hope they gunned it, man, because if those any one of those bullets hit the tired, oh, hit the yeah. tires, they are fucking screwed. I hope they round. I, I, again, I kind of wish they rounded the corner real quick. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, like I said, her character was already dead beforehand. And right. Least, uh, but even so, in the context of this movie, oh, man, this sucks. Yeah, because seriously, the like these two had stronger chemistry than uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and oh, Vanessa yeah. Williams. Oh, for sure. I also like the a little touch of sound with the uh, the the stove. Yeah. Poor guy. And once again, meeting up with Lucky is old Dewey. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, look, I'll give him this. Like, if you really want to go with that weird fucking choice to have Dewey to be a sleazy scumbag who is, you know, in deep with the mafia's tits, fine. Right. But I will admit this. Uh, casting uh, 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 Mr. Ghost, Mr. Anti-Ghostbuster here. Um <laughs> God, what is his name? William Atherton. Excuse me, sorry. Oh but, man. Uh, you know, just like 
Mr. Anti-Ghostbuster and, you know, John McClane's worst enemy besides, you know, Hans Gruber. I will give him this. Like, they cast the right guy for the role. <laughs> if you really want to make him a sleazy scumbag, yeah. at least they cast it right. <laughs> this is a weird scene for me. It I mean, I know dance. that... Uh, yeah, I I know that uh, you know Lucky Luciano was ca was a devout Catholic, but eh, can we just like cut away to the like yeah. the gang war between you know Bumpy and 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 Dutch? Because <laughs> honestly, as a matter of fact, I submit to you that uh, Lucky Luciano is actually in this movie too much. Um. Just a little bit, just like because yeah. again, he's really just like the Godfather in the background, just kind of waiting to see who wins and just yeah. deal with that. But he's he was, also the guy who, in history, you know, sanctioned the hit on Dutch. Yeah, yeah. So I understand. I mean, again, I don't want. I don't. It's not that I don't not want him in the movie, but right. his role should probably be downplayed just a little bit so we can focus on you know the main two. Because, like I said, the contrast between their characters, not just in history, but also in the context of this movie, is such a huge contrast that it could be a legitimately fun, you know, versus movie. Right. Because, you know, like, like I said, that's, that's why they made such a smart choice to make, you know, Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, like, this squeaky clean you know, lawful good kind of character. Yeah. And then have, you know, Robert De Niro to be like almost borderline chaotic and evil. Uh, to, like, uh, uh, so when you have those two dynamics so far over, it makes it for some great conflict and a great movie and really fun stuff. So if you focused on that here, I think this would have been a much, much stronger movie. Yeah, I could agree with that. Because for me, when I, like, when I finished the movie, I'm like, yeah, that's about a C plus B minus movie. Like it's it's good. It's not great. It could have been more memorable. There's stuff in here that I really fucking like, but I really wish I saw more of. Yeah. Now this is an although this scene I would like to keep in here because Lucky never really liked Dutch ever. No, no he was like. He's like, man, he's like, God, I'm trying to run a motherfucking international business here, and you're just shooting your gun dick everywhere you want with no, co like, with no predetermined uh, uh, thought to your the consequences. I mean, shit, Lucky Luciano was uh, actually intelligence in the Navy during World War II. So... Yeah, he's he's clearly smart enough to work with this kind of stuff. I'm gonna close the window because it's starting to storm outside. <laughs> yeah, I mean the lines where he's just you know he's he, Dutch trying to go tough to Luciano. I mean that may have been how he actually was in real life, but although this line uh, here. <laughs> yeah, except the book came out a year after he died. Either way, it's still it's still pretty funny. It is, but like, come on, like you're trying to step to Luciano. Like, no offense, anyone at this time trying to step to that man is like, 
Are you no. an idiot? Are you no, an dude, idiot? seriously. You, you're you're talking about one of the most powerful mi- members of the mob. Right. Especially well, not- at that time. I mean, he arguably, even at this time, he was even bigger than Capone. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a guy, well, who organized, I mean, with the council, he organized the rule. Like, he was the mastermind between organizing all the families into a council that made group decisions. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's him. That is the OG godfather, man. <laughs> it's like, literally, and, and the council has, you know, records as still being something in existence today. Like, yeah, the, I last, know. It's a- the last official thing on it is 2018. They have a wiretap on record of somebody saying it got permission from the council. Yeah, man. He set it- up a mob organization that is still going, like... I mean, he, he's Do not, not underestimate that guy. Yeah, you don't you don't fuck with him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Lucky Luciano is a guy you want to stay on his good side, or not on his radar at all. Right. Whew. Oh, and this bit here. Again, this is this would lend itself so well to be a Scorsese movie because it checks right? literally all the fucking boxes. Like the only thing that's really missing is to have uh you know uh Lawrence Fishburne's character to have multiple girlfriends or mistresses. Right. That's the only thing that's missing me. Although it's weird cuz uh, apparently the real uh Lucky Lu- or the uh, the real uh Bumpy Johnson uh I don't know if he actually had any romantic things going on during this period, but I do know that he was married in 1948. Uh, and pretty much, and actually stayed married um, all the way until uh, her his death. Yeah, and uh, she actually wrote a biography. His his wife wrote a biography about him. Oh, right on. But I wonder if this is based off of like a previous relationship because I'm not entirely sure. I love I love the delivery here though. Yeah. Damn. No. He's got something else to say. Although I kind of wish it had like a lot more of a gut punch than what it actually is yeah But yeah, you're right. Like that, that the, this setup called yeah, it, for something just 
damning to say. Exactly. And it just turns into this, like, meh. Yeah, exactly. It just was like, meh, meh. Also, there's another thing that I really wish that they played up in this movie. And it's there, but it's not quite, is Mm -hmm. the chess motif. Yeah. Because as you can see, even in the frame, it's way at the top of the screen, but it's never the focus. And I really wish that was like a bigger motif in this movie. Because, look, I know that chess, you know, the motif of chess is kind of overused in movies and whatnot. But it's still really effective, you know? Yeah. I love, by the way, this scene, though. Oh, yeah. This scene, you know, this is some of the only character development we get for his enforcer, and it's it's great. Oh, shit. Do it. Won't give him eye contact, though. But right here, it's like... Okay, this is great writing here. Yeah. This actually feels like it was in an old Howard Hawks movie. Right, but, like, that level of condescension and insult, it's like, damn. Take the scraps home, you fucking dog, is what he's saying. And, like I said, I'm not going to lie, the writing in that is perfect. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, I honestly feel like that would be totally at home in, like, an old Howard Hawks movie. but what i wish they would have showed like again a little more show him throw it in the trash on the way out yeah just a little bit just outside it leaves the building there's just a couple like there's you probably could you know it's weird like you could actually probably make this a really good two and a half hour movie instead of just a two hour one yeah hell you could probably even turn it if you wanted and again only if it's justified but this could also be like a really good three-hour epic too i mean yeah like and that's just it i mean it's been a while since i've watched it and watching it with you and more fresh eyes it's like yeah i see what you mean there's a lot of points where it's like a little bit here a little bit there yeah oh dude this is oh this is where uh chi mcbride really gets to to shine as an actor man just also just the insane amount of sweat that they yeah. put on him. Like the the you got that much of a drunk on that you're just sweating bullets, sweating bullets. And what's even crazier is like somehow he's actually managing to emote the tears as well. Yeah. Because just like especially in these really big close ups, you'll be. 
you'll be able to see just tears running down his face and pure anger and uh and resentment Oh. Yeah, once again, here it is. Another thing with the chest. I wish there was more uh-huh. of that. Or it was just a little bit better streamlined. Well, yeah, it's a good motif that they didn't use enough. They put it in there, and then they just didn't use it enough. Yeah, if you, like, baked it into the rhythm of the movie a little bit better. Right, that would like- yeah. Before every major beat, like, show a chess move before the queen was attacked. Show a chess move before he goes and blows up the brewery, you know? That would have worked really well. Oh, shit. And I believe that is the only time he raises his voice in this entire movie. Yeah. Shit. And that's the other thing that's really great about this shot. Because you know how we mentioned that we wanted, you know, more things to be in the wide so you could see all the actors this is where i'm like finally you're doing right look and, and it's kind of frustrating because you're like i know you're capable look right here this yeah. great shot where it plays out in just one take in the wide shot where you can see all the actors faces that's when it shines and there's other times where i'm like you can do that too for these other scenes it's okay like it actually helps the experience Oh, that, though. He gives up his sidearm, man. And, you know, now here's another thing that I kind of wish that they played up just a little bit. So, Illinois is basically his lieutenant right now, right? So, he, I kind of wish that they used that almost oh. as a way of poetically having your lieutenant surrender his sidearm to right, his but, captain. But, man, right, but right here, though... Oh yeah, Joe! Don't you hear Dutch laughing? Like, yeah. Oh that, my God! It, it, I mean, it's those little devastating. moments that's like no wonder. Like those little moments, if you love this movie. Oh yeah, dudes, for real. That moment, and right there when it cuts to the the uh, the uh, the captain, and walk and him walking, I'm like, oh fuck, he's gonna get popped. I, I literally, did, <laughs> I was watching this late last night. Uh, and I, uh, as soon as it cut to the uh, the um, uh. The, the police captain there, I literally went, no! Because <laughs> I know he's going to get popped or something worse. <laughs> and, and it was enough to me like, uh, to to startle my fiance in the, the other room. And she's like, whoa, what? What what happened? I'm like, he's going to get popped! <laughs> so. Oh, man. I got. I really love his drunk performance here too. Oh, 
And I also love how the sweat is only reduced to his forehead and below his eyes. Ah! God damn it. This is this is literally the moment where I'm like, fuck! Because right. he really because he really was like my favorite character in this movie. Oh yeah. Oh hell, he ain't talking. <laughs> fuck, dude, even the mustache is just like so over the top and just like and they they make it that they make that mustache really fucking punchable. <laughs> oh, dude, come on! At this point, we y'all, everyone in that room knows there's no way of letting him go at this point. No. Now this is fucking nasty. Uh, just the description of that. Yeah. I think the only other nastier thing that I could think of was, uh, you know, in Casino where they put the guy's head in the vice oh, yeah. until they pop his eyeball out. <laughs> Oof. Oh. Oh god. Uh I actually I remember watching that first time. I actually had to look away when they cut away cuz like I, mm, I can't. I can't. You know, it's this point where Lucky Luciano really should just favor uh, Bumpy at this right. point. Because, like, he's, he is literally just speaking in business terms where he's like, look, this is my territory, this is my neighborhood, this is my racket. I want to do with that, what I do without any outside interference. And this guy is just pointing his fucking dick all over the place and getting, you know, getting blood everywhere. Like, can y'all just, like, shove him off to the corner? And in a weird way, that's kind of what Lucky winds up doing. Oh! Sorry, but he ain't going to jail for a couple more decades. <laughs> and that's because he got into way harder stuff after that. 
I mean, he wasn't dealing with numbers in the uh, the fifties, right. man. He was right. he was dealing in the hardcore drug racket, uh-huh. which led a, uh, which actually led him to mentor another famous black criminal, Frank Lucas. Uh-huh. Yeah, man, American Gangster. Oh yeah. Was that okay? So have you seen American Gangster? I have not actually. I have. It, it's quite good. I'm yeah, that's what big, I've been told. I'm, I'm a big Russell Crowe fan, so I've okay. seen most of most of his catalog. Yeah, I, I've heard it's really, really fucking good. I just never got around to watching it. Well, um, when is but, Denzel bad? Yeah, oh, of course, exactly. Denzel Washington is rarely bad. Hell, even in his lesser films, he's still the best thing in it. Um, oh, fuck, dude. The look on these guys' face, especially that dude in the center. That's when you're like, you know, I was literally expecting just like him cut up into pieces, hanging up. And you know what? I wasn't that far off. Oh, Jesus. Got to give it to Illinois, though. He never gave him up. Even though he was totally justified to betray him. You know? What do you mean? Yes, he did. That's how he found out where his bank was. That's why he had the slips. He got tortured to the point where he gave up where the location of his bank was. That's why Schultz thinks he has Bumpy Johnson dead to rights. That's why he says his judge is going to send him to jail. He got the information. He tortured the information out of him. However, this payback scene is amazing. Yeah, it is. And I'm not gonna lie, I kind of thought that that uh, that uh, <clears throat> professional <laughs> down there, uh, uh-huh. I totally thought that she was uh, with Bumpy, but oh. uh, no, no. Hi. Schnick. Oh, no, you don't. Now, that was weird editing, wasn't it? Oh. I kind of wish it was a little bit more just, like, honest and brutal. Yeah, I wish there was some, like, blood spray with it. Yeah, man, because it... Cause uh, when, like when as soon as it was over i'm like wait that's it like yeah <laughs> but like but based on what he did to illinois man like i was like yeah i felt a little anticlimactic <laughs> although this confrontation is really fucking good i like this That's such a good response. Yep. I love that line. How the fuck do you know I sleep at all? Such, I mean, I said moments like that. There's such really excellent moments of delivery in this movie. 
Dude, for real, man. And it's crazy because I know that Bumpy's just thinking, oh, he's got a point. He ain't no different. Yeah, man, it's it's these slow painterly camera moves that I appreciate, even though they're not quite executed and they don't really like quite yeah. fit the rhythm. I really appreciate that they're really and, trying. Here. And we got some of the chest motif again. Hey, yeah, man, like come, seriously, if the rhythm of that was a little bit better set, because I think just the right amount of chest content is in this movie. But it just needs to be, you know, fitted into the yeah. narrative a little bit better. He's got a point, man. Can't have no wild cards running around. Also, I'm not going to lie, this room really reminds... I, I know this is really bad, but this room really reminds me... You take the bread... You take the blue pill, story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole really goes. It's this... I would not be surprised if this was like the same set, and they just recycled it for The Matrix. Also, that was another weird editing choice where they start talking the plan. Yeah, and you're and like that... really interested, and it just kind of yeah. fades away. And I'm like, hey, wait, no, like I, I want in on this. Like, come on, movie, why are you going away? Come, come back. <laughs> That's very true. I kind of actually like that nickname though. They get they call him the Dutchman. So I'm actually curious. So you've seen American Gangster. Does uh, uh, Bumpy Johnson ever get mentioned in the movie? Because I know he's like supposed to be. He's in the beginning of it. Oh, he is. And okay, it's right on. played by that guy he just had a sit down with. Oh no, kidding! Right on. Yeah. Uh, right on. What, what was his name again? Um. Da, 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 um Clarence Williams. Clarence Williams the third. Yeah, he plays he plays Bumpy in American Gangster. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to check that out in one of these days. You know, I was I was actually... Cause, I, cause but I, I love that moment, though. We're talking about suits, you know? Like, 
do you know? Like, dress the part. Be classy. Yeah. This fucking guy in the background just eating a pickle with his unusually short tie. Someone teach this man how to dress. Still, uh... You know, actually, I was—I really was debating on whether or not to do American Gangster in in accordance to this one. I think because I didn't I run that by you, like suggest like, hey, how about we do American Gangster to show like to show off like the uh, the Black Mafia and that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, that was one of the ones suggested, but I I went with this one just because uh, that one has a lot of focus on the cop and Russell Crowe's character as well. Uh, and so I like this movie better just uh, as an example of the black mob right right not a whole lot of movies of the black mob around, no not, are there. not enough not enough there really should be more like this you know what one of these days uh, seriously i'm, I'm still well, proposing but, see, then, but a lot of a lot of it also then started being you know the drug trade so you want a good example of like drug organized crime new jack city is a great example yeah yeah there you go i still submit to you that a uh, uh um Madam Queen, a, a movie about Madam Queen, would be an amazing biopic oh, for yeah. black mob movies. Because so, I mean, right there, you have the fucking name of the movie right there, the Queen of Harlem. You know. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I guess if uh, Hollywood ever winds up uh, listening to this show, which I doubt, but it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be fun to like try to pitch this to them. Woo, look at that pile of cash and 1930s oh, yeah. money, damn! I, dude, for real, and and for the colored community, man, because they they got fucked over in the 30s so hard. Oh shit's gonna go down. I do like this whole bait and switch thing, though. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Did they actually show where they uh, they escaped? I don't know. I don't think they did, I and mean, that's I guess that's one more thing that them. I wish that they sh showed. Oh damn! Yeah, because he, right here, they're trying to cut him off and seal the building in case they try to double back. Yeah. But no, seriously, like, as soon as, like, watch this, they go, boom! And just unload on this shit! Yeah, and After I'm just all that, like, how how many shots do you got to fire before you notice it's empty? You know what I mean? Oh, I know, because clearly that gut shotgun does not have any rounds left, and uh, that Tommy gun is like almost empty. But seriously, no one's around. Like, how did they escape? Right. I would like to. Kn I can't. Can't we just have like one cutaway where they're like, you know, climbing down a fire escape or something, going through a tunnel or? Something? Oh, this is really cool. Two, three, five. I wonder if that was an actual thing. 
you know, for the numbers back then. Well, you remember, though, right, from earlier in the movie? Yeah, well, I know it is. Omen uh, of, in, no, in, they called it an omen of death. Yeah, I know. Okay. See, right here, he's, he even goes, like, it means death. <clears throat> but I wonder if that was actually historically accurate or not. Yeah, I, oh. I have no idea. <laughs> Damn! He just unloaded on him. <laughs> I love that. I got a surprise for little Arthur Flegenheimer. <laughs> what a name. But it, that's so true, like they said earlier in the movie. Of course you're going to call yourself Dutch Schultz. Who's going to be afraid of Arthur Flegenheimer? No. <laughs> you got to have a cool gangster name. All right, so we mentioned like that uh, that caddy got like a shitload of money, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right, <laughs> here, right here, it's like they just like, oh god damn. Whoo! Look at them Benjamins. He's not. <laughs> it's you know, he, that's really true. I mean, like he he's like he he set that up meeting up because he, he's he's an because you're an idiot and he's not. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh fuck! That's the signal. <laughs> See, right then and there, he should have got gone for his gun. Yeah, because this is actually fairly close to how. Uh, uh, I how, mean, he had three associates with him. It was done by Murder Inc. It was uh, it was pretty brutal, actually. Yeah. However, he was lucid enough to actually walk and sit down, sit back down. Yes, and he was shot in a bathroom. Yes, he did not die instantly. He did survive for uh, in the hospital. I think for a little bit. Yeah, he saw, he survived for about a day. He went into surgery. They even gave him the pe uh, the last rites and everything, as per his wishes. Because, you know, <laughs> practically all mobsters back then were Catholics. Right. Um. Uh, except I think. I don't know. Was he a Catholic? Oh yeah, he totally was. Okay. I, I was I was reading up on him, and he totally got the uh, the last rites to the point where he even had a stenographer, uh, for legal reasons in his huh. death uh, in the hospital on his deathbed. However, I will admit the I I get that they're trying to be a little bit poetic and coy with us in his death here because you know the dude gets sh shot three times. And he calmly walks back to the table to sit down to finish his drink. That sounds cool on paper. It just doesn't quite right. work out, you know? Oh, fuck. Now, in that quick insert where he pulls the hat up, 
I kind of yeah. wish that there was a blood spray. Right? I really wish that... Like, come on, man. Really give us the... If you're going to go guts and glory with this, like, go all the way. Like, don't be afraid. It's cool. Like, I get this is more of a thriller, but it's it's it's, it's all right. Like, have fun. Entertain us, you know? Which, this is... Not true, because the war actually ended by Luciano getting paid out, like getting a piece of the action. Yeah. And that that's how the, the piece remained. I mean, Harlem started paying a piece upstairs to the mob, and the mob left him alone to do their business. Yep. Like the mob will. I mean, and, and even they say it in Goodfellas, they're police for people who can't go to the police. Yeah. You pay them a piece, they, they let you do your business. <laughs> the business of crime is as much business as crime, you know? Right. I do like this exchange, though. This this also feels like a uh, the end scene to a, uh, a long-lost uh, uh, movie that was written by... Uh, uh, oh, God, what was his name? Um, uh, oh, wow, hang on. I see his I, I see his uh um his name see his face. Okay, this yeah, this feels like the ending of scene of a Billy Wilder movie. Ah, yeah. Especially this line here. Yep. I love that line when he's like, well, I got some business to take care of. What about you? I'm going to get some sleep." Mm -hmm. I love that. That because really that feels like a Billy right. Wilder. And moment. that's just it. There's a lot of great lines in this movie. Good delivery. Good callbacks. You know, it's got the elements. Just doesn't quite get there. Yep. It's just not quite as well put together as one could hope. Yeah. Also, do really love this guy here once again. I almost wish there was like a dolly shot tracking in his point of view. Where, you know, his camera, where his face is locked to the camera just to make it a little bit more creepy. Because I would like to, because, you know, in most of these uh, um, movies where the, uh, the, uh, the coffin man of the westerns and the gangster movies, there, I always get the hint that people want them, people to uh, feel like he's the devil or he's the grim reaper, rather. Right. You know? And I think, and it really is reinforced here that he feels like the symbolism of the Grim Reaper in this movie. Oh, shit. And once again, he did a wonderful job on his face for what yeah. happened. Oh man, dude! You know, again, if if this movie really was directed and edited and written to the calibers that we're thinking of, honestly, Lawrence Fishburne probably could have gotten an Oscar nomination early for this. You know, I mean, with, with a bit of adjusting, yeah, he does. A, I mean, he's a he does a great performance. He does here. But just imagine if it was a little bit better written, a little bit better edited, a little bit better directed. He actually might have gotten a nomination. He probably wouldn't have won, but 
yeah. a nomination is still a huge stepping stone for any actor. Uh, I think he has been nominated, though. I, I think he has, but I, but it was like... I uh, think he'd been nominated well by... Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Oh, wait. No, shit. Uh, I take that back. He was nominated oh, yeah. for... He was nominated in 93 for What's Love Got to Do With It. That's right. We, that's an odd little close shot, though. I'll give it that. I know. this is a, That was a weird way to close the movie. But all right. Hey, man, Bill Duke still does a really great job. He does. He probably yeah. do a better job than I would, honestly. Well, so yeah, He'd had some by this point. Yeah, but that was Hoodlum, man. And uh, I, I, so second time around, I, I'm liking it a lot more. Even though I'm, you know, the flaws and the little ticks that and beats that could be better even though i'm seeing those even more clear the good stuff oh man is getting better for me yeah there's just so many great little moments in there that it's like you know they help they help kind of smooth over the rough edges yeah like those yeah. really fun moments that are just like oh that delivery is so well done and that writing there is so it's just like all right you can't imagine enjoy it Exactly, and imagine if you didn't have those performances or if you didn't have those little moments. Honestly, this movie would have plummeted in quality <laughs> if oh, those yeah. weren't there. Oh, Cause, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, I'm actually really glad that I got to... Oh, yeah, and Cle Queen Latifah was in here. Right. Why'd you believe that? How about that? Mike Starr and Bustar. I really want to know if those hatchet guys that they played were based on real like mob hitmen. <laughs> I really want to know because again, it's just stupid enough to be like, hey, that might have actually been a thing back in the thirties. You I know, mean, it's definitely possible. And if and if it's not, it still makes great entertainment, dude. I still think that their exchange when they're going back and forth about what's the place to get best place to get food, that's probably one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. <laughs> but and, oh yeah also music again a little bit better oh, although did you know that uh, this movie had a like a hip-hop and r&b soundtrack to go with this that is non-existent huh. in this movie nothing nothing there is yeah exactly I, there's even like the uh um there's a song that called hoodlum performed by mob deep and you know wow. it's not bad like the the because i listened to some of the soundtrack while i was uh, reading up on this movie and yeah it's pretty good uh although it's just the the fact is that soundtrack is nowhere to be seen throughout this entire movie yeah which i almost kind of wish that it was because uh um uh if, do you remember the that terrible movie oh yeah right here is like the uh um disclaimer like although this is the uh portrayed by real people like this is really fictionalized you guys yeah. <laughs> so uh but no i was gonna say uh did you ever see that god-awful movie gangster squad with uh um like uh what was it josh brolin sean penn uh, i did ryan gosling uh, and you know I, I will agree it's not good but I will say this. It's one of the few performances by Sean Penn I didn't hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of the high point of that movie. Well, let's, I will be honest here. I am not a fan of Sean Penn. Yeah, uh, he's kind of a... To me, Sean, usually uh, if Sean Penn touches something, it turns to shit, in my opinion. Mm. 
Uh, he's also the fact that he has won Oscars over. Let's put it this way: I feel the only reason the man has an has Oscars is because votes got split. Probably, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I won for Mystic River. Why? Because Bill Murray and Johnny Depp split the other vote, and yeah. both of them were more deserving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, what I was gonna say is like, do you remember how Gangster Squad had? like an r&b and rap soundtrack even though it was set in like you know, post-war america <laughs> i don't Which, you and, know, I, and i've seen that done effectively so yeah and you know what i'm okay with that if you really know what you're doing because because really it's really it's it's because i remember seeing the trailer and i'm like oh wow they're doing like this gangster rap sort of thing even though this movie takes place in the 1940s like Okay, yeah, like, weird seen, choice. I've seen that stuff done effectively, so I don't mind it, but it's... It depend Like, if you're going to do that, though, you have to kind of make the movie with that in mind. Absolutely. And it just feels weird that this this movie has, like, an R&B and hip-hop soundtrack attached to it, even though none of it resembles this movie in any way, shape, or form. And does not appear. It's not even appearing in the in the uh, the, the the credits here. Right. That's, you know how easy it would have been to just slap one over the credits because everyone's already leaving. But no, they're they're keeping the score, which I'm like, that's a weird choice, you guys. Yeah. So also, uh, can you imagine just all the money that was spent on paying the producers and the artists to do that soundtrack, to to promote <laughs> that movie, even though. Maybe that's why it, it cost $30 million, because, you know, they, well, they had you know, 10 million I mean, bucks. And, and as I said, I came to this, this movie later, like, significantly later, and maybe that's part of the problem, is that they advertised it in a way that just did not hold up to what this movie was. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what it was. And But you know what? I'm still really glad that I watched it, and I'm glad that it exists. Um, you know what? Maybe someone can do like a more historically accurate remake of it. That'd oh, be kind of sure. cool. And, yeah. and as I said, like the people I know who have watched The Godfather of Harlem, they have nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, I'm happy that something is being well made now about Bumpy. Like yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. For sure, man. And uh, yeah, and honestly, like I said, I still really want to see a feature-length movie biopic about Madam Queen. Like, I, I legit want to see that because, dude, how fucking cool would it be to get not just a female-led mobster movie, but a black female mobster movie that actually happened? Like, what in a great little, you know, uh, history lesson that Hollywood could put up on the screen. You know, yeah, that, that'd sure. be fucking cool. So if y'all, if anyone out there is listening, if any screenwriters listening, start researching, start writing, like get on that shit. I want to watch that. Like hell yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, why not? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so any other final thoughts before we close this one out? Um, you know, I, I really, I, I like this movie still. Uh, but yeah, it definitely has flaws. But I think it's it's definitely worth your time and. Particularly if you're a fan of mob movies in general, I think you're it's good. There's plenty of here to love. So. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. Like again, because it's still it might be in that C plus B minus B range, but hey, that doesn't you know demerit anything that is 
legitimately good in it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I urge people, I actually like having people watch more of these kind of movies to see that, okay, here's something really good with a really good base structure that isn't quite executed quite right or isn't doesn't quite flow as nicely. And then take those lessons and apply it to your movie with a similar base to make that better, you know? Because yeah. uh, just about any movie is a teaching movie, whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. So, uh, I yeah, I urge a lot of people to watch this one a, a little bit more just because, again, there's so much good that you can improve and make something truly masterful and spectacular, you know? So that's that's probably what I'm taking away from it. But uh, yeah, that'll, so that'll be it for this this week. Uh, next week, we are finishing out Mob Month with a true classic that I could I literally could not resist <laughs> doing. And I know we've already we've done the Irish, we've done the Cubano Latino, we've done the Black Mafia. Now we are going to the classic mo- Italian Mafia with. The greatest mob movie ever made, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. I still look, look, and I see that look on your face, Sean. Look, I submit, The Godfather is a better film, but Goodfellas is a better mobster movie. Oh man, like I don't know that I can make that distinction just because they're from two such different eras. We're going to have to argue about this a lot more yes, come we the are. episode, are we? Well, I guess you'll have to catch us then. So in the meantime, I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace. Yeah.